over the past couple years, growth in the video game industry has skyrocketed and it shows no signs of slowing down. It's estimated that 40% of the world's population play video games, nearly 3.1 billion people. That's a lot of gamers. And there's a big subset of those gamers who can't play games in their so-called standard format. Accessibility is making sure that that level of difficulty is designed and fair for as many people as possible. Roughly 46 million gamers have some kind of disability, presenting a unique hurdle for video game developers. Video games aren't as simple to make accessible as, say, TV shows, films, or books. Games aren't linear and are much more complex in their structure than a book or a film. And with that comes challenge. Mike Brown and his studio Playground Games are meeting that challenge head on with an innovative and open-minded approach to making video games accessible. We're talking about changing the way the game works and giving options for players so that they're able to enjoy the design experience in the way that is intended. Mike and his team have been recognized as leading innovators for their work on one of the most popular recent driving games. Forza Horizon 5. Their groundbreaking work to make the game playable by all is pushing the entire industry to level up on accessibility. I'm Kristen Meinzer, and this is Innovation Uncovered from Invesco QQQ. For this final episode of Season 2, I sat down with Mike Brown, the creative director of Playground Games. Mike says accessibility has always been important in gaming, but awareness about accessibility is on the rise. Mike and his team are on the forefront of this new wave of awareness, developing award-winning video games that are setting new standards for accessibility and creating more incredible experiences for gamers of all abilities. Mike Brown, welcome to the show. Hey, Kristen. Absolute pleasure to be here. How long have you been working with Playground Games? I've been with Playground Games for uh, a little over eight years now. I joined just as they were entering production on Forza Horizon 2. And I've been here for Forza Horizon 2, 3, 4, and of course, Horizon 5. What drew you to the Forza Horizon universe of games? Throughout my career, I've actually only ever worked on, on driving games. That wasn't really what I intended when I got into game development. I built up a a level of expertise for that particular genre. At the time, Forza Horizon 1 had just released. I played it. I was a huge fan. It was developed in the UK, so it wasn't too far for me to have to relocate. I applied, I got the job, and the rest is history. But I think right from the very first time I played it, Forza Horizon had a vibe and a feel that was fairly unique in video games. The vast majority of video games always have some big bad that you have to overcome. They have some level of oppressive force that you must defeat in order to become the champion. And Forza Horizon has never really been like that. There's been races that you're supposed to win and people you're supposed to beat, but it was all done in a really positive and vibrant spirit, which just really, really spoke to me. And I, I want to be a part of that. I love the positivity. Now, we'll talk about the game itself in a little bit, but of course, we have to talk about the award for innovation in accessibility that you recently were nominated for and won at the 2021 Game Awards. Can we talk about that? Yes, please, Kristen. So that was that was an incredible, incredible night at the Game Awards. Yeah, we, we were nominated for Best Racing Game, Best Audio and Innovation Accessibility. And going in there, that was the one that we really, really wanted. It's the one that our team has really been committed to. We made accessibility one of our key initiatives for the game. 
I think people tend to say that accessibility is becoming more and more important in recent years. That isn't actually true. Accessibility has always been important. What's actually Mm -hmm. changed is that people are becoming more aware of how important it is. And that's definitely been the case for, for us. Part of the accessibility team at Xbox visited our studio just as we were starting development and brought with them what they term subject matter experts. That is to say, people who have difficulties enjoying games because they're people with disabilities. Speaking to them and and seeing their passion for gaming, seeing how much they absolutely adore playing games, adored playing Forza Horizon, and then having them describe the challenges that they face. It was a real, real inspiration. And I think that was a, a real turning point for the team where you, you're seeing real people with, with real challenges, but a real, a real passion all the same. And that eventually led to the Innovation in Accessibility Award. There were a few things we did that I don't think had been done before. Um, yeah, let's hear about some of those things. One of them was our game speed setting. So Forza is obviously a game that's played at extreme high speeds. You can play it in a car at 250, 300 miles an hour, and then in front of you are 10 other cars, there's a corner approaching, other stuff's going off, maybe a helicopter's flying over. There's a lot to take in. And I think for everybody, it is a challenging game. With the game speed setting, you're able to just actually, on an on an engine level, slow down the speed of the entire physics engine. You can take it right down to 40%. It just gives you that little bit more time to to read what's coming up ahead, a little bit more time to react. It has a, it's a real granular setting as well. You can tick it like one percent at a time. And the game is actually still really, really fun and compelling. It doesn't like you might think. It might thirty well, percent slow would feel sluggish, feel wrong. It actually doesn't. It's actually quite a engaging, fun experience. All of the audio and stuff still works. We've we've done work there to make sure it doesn't just have like really weird, drawn out audio. It still sounds <laughs> really fun and compelling. Another option we added was uh, tourist difficulty. A lot of people in Horizon 4, when playing on our easiest difficulty setting, were still losing. And mm. and from there, they haven't really got anywhere else to go. It's either they carry on playing the game and keep losing, or they give up. So we had a difficulty called tourist, where... If the cars in a race get too far ahead of you, they actually just come to, to a stop and they wait for you to catch up. And then as you roll up, they kind of match your speed and then drive with you. Oh, and, that's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at first, I think as a traditional game designer, you'd be like, well, they're just letting you win. But when you actually experience it, it almost feels like it's your friends waiting for you. And they're like, oh, Kristen's here now. Okay, come on then. And, we all, and they all go off again. And the actual experience of it is actually quite quite wholesome and inviting. And then um, just go on an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the other one that I'll mention, and this was born out of that visit we had from those subject matter experts, is the uh, sign language interpreter for both uh, American Sign Language and British Sign Language. Yeah, so all of the cutscenes in the game, I think it's about 170, will now have a sign language interpreter on screen reiterating that dialogue in sign language. How is that happening on screen where I can still see the universe that I'm in? Is that going to infringe in any way on me seeing the road or what my vehicle's doing? By default, we pop it in the bottom right. And as we've tested it, that is a, a relatively clear space for them to, to sit there and help you out. Mm. If you're finding that's annoying, mm. you're able to move the person around to best suit your needs. Now, many games feature a colorblind mode. What makes Forza's unique? Horizon 4, we also had a colorblind mode and it worked like a a filter that affected the entire image, which is cool. That was a filter that applied to everything in the game, which worked. But the problem that it creates is when you're looking at the game world and you're seeing a car and you're seeing a tree in the sky, 
as a person with colorblindness, you kind of know what those things should look like because even with colorblindness, you still see cars and trees in the sky. There's a way that they appear in real life. And if those things in the game have real life colors, then they'll look natural to you. And so we now allow for a separate setting. So you can, for the world, you can leave that with its natural color scheme. But then everywhere that we've used color to differentiate between things like icons on the map and different things in the menus, you can apply your colorblindness setting only to those items so that it isn't just a, a brush that covers the whole screen, but instead covers just the map and the, and the UI and not the actual world, which even with a person with colorblindness, you still want to look authentic and real and not have an unnatural color shift. That is so great. Let's also talk about the subtitles in Forza 5. How are these the same or different than the subtitles I see when I'm watching TV? So typically when you're watching TV or you're watching a streaming app, you turn on subtitles and you pick your language and that's your option. In Forza Horizon, you can now customize the font, the size of the font, the color of the font, whether you want a a contrasting background or not. We also have an option that highlights keywords So if you're finding it difficult to read the speed that the dialogue is moving at, it can highlight the keywords for you such that you can kind of pick up the sense of the sentence by just reading those keywords without having to read the entire sentence. That actually is similar to how sign language works. When people are speaking in sign language, they don't sign every single word. Sentences are shorter, they're more compact. They use keywords to get across meaning in a way that spoken or written language doesn't. It's actually very helpful to people who are hard of hearing. Now, zooming out a little bit, could you describe for our listeners what the experience of accessibility in video games is like, maybe holistically? It's helpful to look at other media when we think about this. Games aren't linear and are much more complex in their structure than a book or or a film. And with that comes challenge. Games are often quite difficult to play for everybody, and they're, they're built that way. Accessibility is making sure that that level of difficulty is designed and fair for as many people as possible. So people who are living with additional challenges that make playing games difficult aren't excluded from playing games because of the way the games have been set up, the way the games have been built. And so when we talk about accessibility, we're talking about changing the way the game works and giving options for players so that they're able to enjoy the design experience in the way that is intended. And has Forza's approach to accessibility influenced the industry more broadly? I don't know if it's for me to say that. Uh, I hope that it does. I do think, though, that the fact that the Game Awards has an award for innovation and accessibility will influence people because I think it gives it a stage and it gives it a level of importance that I think all developers will will start to take notice of it. It's probably not a surprise, but game developers really like winning awards. And <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> and it's a great signal to developers all over the industry that we can we can all do more and that there's really, really fantastic reasons to do so. Mike realizes the significance of winning the award for innovation in accessibility and hopes for game studios around the world to focus on accessibility features as a necessary element in game development. His vision for the future of gaming is one where all games are accessible. One of Mike's related goals is to prove that video games can be a force for good, to expose players to new worlds, people, and experiences. Talk about game-changing. It's not just about making the world feel real. This is a racing game after all. Mike explains what it takes to make the gameplay unique and accurate for anyone who wants to play. 
Okay, well, let's dig into the game a little more. Aside from the huge win, what's Forza Horizon 5 all about? Yes, so Forza Horizon 5 is an open-world driving action adventure game set in the beautiful and diverse world of Mexico. Players arrive in Mexico as a representative of the Horizon Festival. Their job is to set up this festival, which is a festival of all things music and all things cars, and then spread the love of that festival around Mexico. And as you play through the game, you open up more festival sites around the game, unlocking races, stunts, activities. You, you get to meet some of the people who, who live in this, this world of Mexico, find out about their stories, find out about their problems and how you might be able to solve their problems, usually involving cars. But all the way through, it's a game that keeps it positive. It aims to make you feel like you're going on an adventure, but then sometimes it feels like just a completely relaxing tourist trip. And what would you say sets Forza Horizon apart from other racing games out there? One of the things that we have really been able to build on over the years with Forza Horizon, this is something that's got bigger and bigger with each release, is the breadth of activities that we're able to give to players. I really love the way that we just offer all these different experiences. And it's a game that doesn't really make you do any of them. You can just go, do you know what? I really love tuning my car, getting it set up to drift, and I'm going to set out and set some of the best drift scores in the world and just focus on drifting leaderboards. That can be your entire world within Forza Horizon, and that's totally fine. And we build a game that accepts that, supports that, allows you to feel like you're having a great experience. Prior versions of the game have been in the UK, Colorado, Australia, to name a few places. You put some special time and effort into creating Mexico for this game. Can you tell us about what went into that? As we researched various potential host countries, we really were taken aback by the natural diversity of Mexico. It's a huge country, that's not a surprise. But what I think did actually surprise us in the research was that it's a country with, it's almost the whole world in one country. You have you know, snow-capped mountains, tropical beaches, lush jungles, farmlands, rolling hills, about three different types of desert. And that's just the natural biomes. Then you have a really great mix of townscapes and structures and architecture, like the ancient colonial cities, but then quite, quite modern coastal like resort towns. You can start piecing that together into an open world, which is just going to, you know, is going to keep people really excited and really engaged. We kind of have to visit those places multiple times. And when we're there, we, we gather reference and take pictures of everything. Um, we take thousands and thousands of uh, photos of everything that we can see. In addition to that, we also record ambient audio in all of those locations. All over the world, if you just come to a stop, let the engine just tick down, maybe you turn off the radio. There's a real deep soundscape there that feeds into that feeling of adventure and exploration of feeling like you're really in this world. Obviously, there was a pandemic as well. So I'll touch on, I'll touch on that, which... Um, did get in the way of some of that research trip. But yeah, how? Go ahead and... <laughs> <laughs> we were, I guess the first year of our development was in 2019, so we were able to travel. The local photographers, they obviously were still local in those areas. So throughout then 2020, when we needed further pictures of things taken, we could call those up and say, hey, it's us. We can't visit you right now, but um, would you mind getting some photos of that local church or, or other landmark? And then we were able to hire them again and then kind of send them out on, to, on research adventures for us. Uh, one of them actually was kind enough to venture up a, a volcano for us. Oh I guess some, re <laughs> some reference photography at the top of a volcano. So uh, big thanks to her. Something else I really love about Forza Horizon 5 is that you brought on cultural consultants to work with you on this game. And you actually have parts of 
Mexican culture that are well-researched, that are integrated into the game, the murals and so on. Can you tell us more about how you tried to honor the culture of Mexico throughout this game? One of the things that we really loved about Mexico, as well as its natural beauty, is the culture. People recognize Mexican artwork, Mexican music, Mexican architecture. All these things are already known, understood, have cultural significance outside of Mexico and around the world. So we knew that that was something that we'd be able to to represent in the game in a way that would bring real like personality and color and, and, and life to the game. We also knew that we were a British game developer who had no Mexican staff on the team. And so we went into this with as much humility as we possibly could. And we had a cultural consultant, Lalo Alcaraz. He was fantastic, honestly. We also ended up making quite good friends with the uh, Mexican Ministry of Culture because a lot of the uh, landmarks uh, that we wanted to feature in the game were effectively owned or at least operated by the Mexican Ministry of Culture. And so we had to reach out for them for permission to feature uh, like temple sites and things like that in the game. Oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah. From the design of the game itself to the cultural intelligence to the top to bottom accessibility, Playground Games has done its research. As a result, they've raised the bar, setting new expectations for what a game can be and who it can be for. As technology gets even better, you can only imagine what the future has in store. Maybe someday, not far off, there'll be even more options for people with severe physical disabilities. All of this is nothing short of inspirational. And Mike's own inspiration is drawn from positive experiences playing video games while growing up. Having cool parents certainly helped. I do have to say from my own experience with the game, each time playing, it really is just like going on an adventure and seeing the world and where can I go and what can I encounter and so on. And, and that's really built into the game, this curiosity and this adventurous spirit in it. Now, I got to ask you, were you always a gamer? I have been playing video games for literally as long as I can remember. One of my earliest memories is playing Pac-Man in a local takeaway while my mum was ordering food. And for my third birthday, so you know, about, about as young as is feasible to be playing video games, I got a <laughs> Commodore 64. Um, Ooh, old school. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I had a really high exposure to a, a lot of games from a very early age. I, I was fortunate enough growing up that my parents supported that hobby and basically bought me every games console that I asked for. I certainly don't think that they felt like it would turn into a career. I think they understood the that games were a, were a force for good, that these were, they are an enriching experience, that you're having experiences, you're seeing worlds, you're experiencing stories in video games that are every bit as enriching as uh, film and TV and books. I think they understood that. I don't think they understood that what they were doing was planting seeds in me that would lead to me going on to be the director of a fairly large video game franchise. <laughs> Were you thinking growing up, someday I would really love to design games myself? So, yes, but it, I'll admit that it, it always felt like a, a dream. It feels like, a, like if you wanted to be a professional footballer or an actor, it's a job which you could kind of really, really want to do, but... It feels out of reach because I didn't know anybody who made video games. I mean, in fact, I've got a pretty strong family history of uh, being a fireman. My dad's a fireman, my uncle's a fireman, other members of my family are a fireman. And I kind of just expected I'd be a fireman. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, 
It wasn't really until I got into my late teens that I, when I guess the internet was starting to grow, that you start to find these communities online where you learn that you know, making games isn't a fantasy that's out of reach in the same way as being a, a Hollywood superstar might be. When you're playing a video game, it almost feels like magic. If you've never made one before, it's it, it's almost this, this black box. How does this happen? How does this work? How does this all come together? As soon as I was old enough to start working around in that space, I started off by making mods of existing games and using like level creators and things like that. And that grew into a, a real passion where I felt like there was a potential career here. Are you somebody who in real life loves driving cars as well? Or do you mostly <laughs> like doing it in the video game universe? I wish that I could drive a fantastic collection of cars like I do in Forza Horizon, but I, I still very much enjoy driving in real life. Yes, albeit Perhaps, perhaps I don't get to live out the exact same fantasies as I do with a controller. You don't get to be dropped out of a plane in your car usually. No, that's that is a sticking point actually <laughs> for me, Kristen, because there was somebody that was dropped out of a plane in a car during the promotional period for Forza Horizon 5, but they never asked me if, if I would like to take part in that. So uh, maybe next time. <laughs> Mike, this has just been so fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Kristen, uh, this has been an absolute dream of an interview. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to Innovation Uncovered. That's a wrap for season two. This season, I've interviewed a slew of brilliant people with brilliant ideas. Brilliant minds that brought us a quarterback robot, organic living robots, upcycled barley to make alternative milk, water health solutions, molecular booze, efficiencies in vinyl production, the future of film, smart hearing aids, and VR learning tools. We hope we've opened your minds and ears to the small but world-changing slice of innovative thinkers and doers. If you've missed an episode, I highly recommend going back to listen and go ahead and share your favorite episode with a friend. As always, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thank you for listening. Season two of Innovation Uncovered is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, ordinary people who shape the future by putting their money behind the right ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you to access the innovators of the NASDAQ 100 so you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. To learn more about what this fund can mean for your portfolio, visit Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks involved with investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs are subject to risks similar to those of stocks. Investments focused in the technology sector are subject to greater risk and are more greatly impacted by market volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies traded on the NASDAQ. An investment cannot be made directly into an index. Before investing, carefully read and consider fund investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in prospectus at Invesco.com. These opinions may differ from those of other Invesco investment professionals. Invesco is not affiliated with T-Brand Studio, Kristen Meinzer, or any of the subjects or companies referenced in this episode. This content should not be construed as an endorsement for or a recommendation to invest in any of the companies referenced in this episode. Invesco Distributors, Inc.